The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. It's your girl, Jacqueline, alongside my, I guess if we were a cop duo, you would be my Chris Tucker. <laughs> I, that feels right. I don't know if I should be claiming either Tucker or Chan. I think I'm like <laughs> the FBI guys who are just kind of like, we don't need any outside help. We can solve this case ourselves. That's kind of. That's kind of where I feel comfortable. I would cast you for that Or I part. could be like the dealer at the beginning of the movie, played by Chris Penn. So <laughs> if you don't know what movie we're talking about yet, you will soon. <laughs> we will, definitely. Okay, of course, the, we're back to Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. And we are literally, I feel like we haven't been rushing enough to get this movie covered here today because the person we have as our guest today haven't has been rushing made it, enough? Haven't been rushing enough. Haven't rushed enough to make this happen <laughs> because... This is a movie you very much made your personality in a lot of ways because you were just obsessed. My entire my entire personality is this film. <laughs> That's Me, Kava. <laughs> that is Winston A. Marshall, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> actor and host, friend of the podcast who we've had on before. He's part of our crew, sir. So yeah, Rush Hour. I think even on the last podcast you were on, you may have mentioned Rush Hour in oh, that one. I, I, if there is ever an excuse for me to bring up this movie, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, there there is you. I gotta say, I have so much to say. Keep it in. Keep it in for now. Keep it in for now. But I know, I know you've been holding on to this for a while. So, ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat as we break down the 1998. Comedy action classic. It is rated a criminal, 62% fresh on the tomato meter, but with a 78% audience score. And honestly, I really feel like if we haven't talked about this yet on this podcast, we absolutely should talk about Rush Hour because in so many ways, it is the reason why we were here. It's the reason why I have a job. It's the reason why I get to talk about <laughs> movies all the time. And I've scammed these people into thinking of it as a profession because Rotten Tomatoes... Right. We've been celebrating our 25th birthday yeah. all year long with, with events and stuff like that. Russia are also celebrating its 25th anniversary. And so those two are kind of tied. Why? Well, because the creator of the website, Rotten Tomatoes, Sen Duong, was a huge Jackie Chan fan. And back in the late 90s, couldn't find a place to really compile all of Jackie Chan's American and Hong Kong film movie reviews into like one kind of concise place. It's like in so many words, he had mentioned that the only time you really see critic reviews all together mm. is on a movie poster. Yeah. So can we maybe aggregate all these Jackie Chan movie, movie reviews in one place? Lo and behold, he saw Rush Hour was coming out soon and then got an idea. Yeah, and this was, again, like so many great things that happen in movies, born of a movie fight. Because it wasn't just him at that time. It was also Patrick Lee and the other co-founders of Rotten Tomatoes. They were arguing okay. about what was the most critically acclaimed Jackie Chan movie. And they really didn't have a metric at that time to, to sort of discern that. They came up with the Rotten Tomatoes metric, 60% fresh. Below that is rotten, and the rest is history. And so it is really fitting to, for us to cover this as part of our anniversary, 25th anniversary celebration. You can head on over to RottenTomatoes.com and read up. Alex Vo did an incredible piece that sort of talks about the early days of Rotten Tomatoes and how it was born about an obsession with Jackie Chan. So anytime we cover a Jackie Chan movie, it's really like it's like it's it's like we're coming home. Yeah, and Jackie Chan was also kind of that mystery, at least like to kids my age, where you knew that he had these movies. You knew he was a huge superstar. He had a very early Nintendo game where you couldn't really see what the hell was going on. <laughs> but then you had movies like Rumble in the Bronx come out, and you had like Super Cop, and then you'd occasionally see clips of his older stuff, and like just watching this guy do his own stunts, just like this insane action sequences, and it's like. 
man, this guy, why isn't he like a huge star in the States? Because we have all these action stars here, like your Van Damme Seagal's by the time the 90s is coming through. Where's Jackie Chan in the mix? Rush Hour comes out, and safe to say, he immediately shot to the top of the pack. Yeah, and being as it was his first sort of American movie, this was definitely a time to look at that because I was one of those people. I didn't know about Rumble in the Bronx before I saw Rush Hour. I found out about Jackie Chan, the myth, the legend, and the lore afterwards. It was uh, This was sort of my first little experience. Winston, I'm going to do this because at this point in our, in our tale, Mark normally gives us a synopsis, but our producer, Mr. Brian <laughs> Perez, gave me an option. Which I think is an option I am willing to take right here, which is, again, I feel like this is only a thing that we need to do for the super fans who come on the podcast mm. to rep their movie. I'm all too happy to pitch the ball to Winston. But come can we on. go ahead and pass this? Or can you give us a good, you know, quick, quick hit, 30, 45 second synopsis of Rush Hour? You bet your ass. Okay. <laughs> all right, look, here it is, right? <laughs> Little girl Suyong, she get kidnapped. It's mainly because Jun Tao, evil crime lord, he's out here. We find out, spoiler alert, evil British dude, he's pissed off. He don't get to keep Chinese art. Exactly ridiculous. <laughs> so, of course, Detective James Carter gets put on a BS assignment from the FBI to watch Chief Inspector Lee as they try and find Suyong. Now, they're not supposed to be in the mix, but they don't give a damn because Chris Tucker don't give a damn and because Jackie Chan is here for the little girl and they go on all sorts of misadventures. They, there's a misunderstanding with the N-word. There's something about some weed. Uh, there's this whole thing with the bomb. There's a Chinese restaurant war. What is it good for? And next thing you know, they become best friends, save the day, and, you know, follow the rich white man, he dies in a, in a pool. And you, damn, you know he did. That's pretty much it. In all of that, greatest piece of cinema that has ever been made. <laughs> He's been asking me to be on the show for this particular movie since he found out there was a show called Rotten Tomatoes This Rock. Because wow. we've always had you as like one of our core <laughs> guests way back. Didn't matter if we were talking Avatar. Yeah, yeah. Matter if we're ta it's like, hey, so Rush Hour? It's like, it's, I mean, yeah. it's fresh, but it's not fresh as it should be. So yeah. let me know when it was when it was happening. <laughs> Today is the day. Don't we have four coming? Do we have four coming? Four has always been kind of like rumored in the works. Um, okay. So I think that there was finally like a script that, that got both Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker's approval in like 2017. Not sure where that's at. I'm sure the strike isn't helping anything. Nah. Um, so, you know, pay actors and writers, and uh, and then maybe we'll we get, get, uh, rush get a four. sequel to this beloved IP. We're getting a Bad Boys 4, so I'm yeah. just saying. This was kind of in that same sort of like, you didn't know that we could make this peanut butter and jelly moment of mm -hmm. these right. two people pairing together. I think we this would be the perfect opportunity to throw it on over to Tim, who could sort of like take us back, not only to the early days of Rotten Tomatoes, since this was part of our inception, but really to... The surprise comedy hit that was Rush Hour. We were so young. I know. Take it away, Mr. Tim Ryan. Two minutes with Tim. Sen Duong loves movies, and Sen Duong loves to talk about movies. I mean, that seems obvious. You would assume that the guy who came up with the idea for Rotten Tomatoes loves to talk about movies. But Sen is the kind of guy where you can text in the dead of night two days before Christmas to tell him you've finally gotten around to seeing the Jackie Chan, Michelle Yao classic Super Cop and that it's awesome. And he will text you back in minutes. Sen is a Jackie Chan super fan. So Rush Hour was a big deal for him. And not just because of the whole founding of Rotten Tomatoes thing. Jackie Chan was already a global superstar, but it was Rush Hour that established him as a huge box office draw in the States. I still remember the night I saw Rush Hour on VHS in a friend's basement, mostly because we had a great time watching it. But I couldn't know how momentous that night would be in retrospect, that this would be the thing to which I would owe my livelihood. Few would dispute that Rush Hour followed several familiar templates, from the buddy comedy to the fish-out-of-water scenario. But critics largely responded positively to the complimentary comic chemistry between Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Though more than a few grumbled that Rush Hour was not as good as Chan's Hong Kong masterpieces. Rush Hour is fresh at 62% on the tomato meter with 77 reviews, and it has a 78% audience score. So what did the critics have to say? In a fresh review, Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times wrote, Rush Hour is lightweight and made out of familiar elements, but they're handled with humor and invention. However, in a rotten review, Mark Savlov of the Austin Chronicle wrote, while it's always a rush to see Chan ingratiate himself before the camera, and therefore the audience, this is hardly the showcase for his myriad talents. The Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus reads, while it won't win any awards for originality, the combustible chemistry between its stars means Rush Hour hits just as hard on either side of the action-comedy divide. So that's Rush Hour. Let's kick it back to Jacqueline and Mark, who are always certain of exactly who kicked them. 
Because in this case, it's me kicking it back to them. Back to you folks. <laughs> well, you had to make Jimmy. us giggle. If it's rush hour, you have to make us giggle. This movie is absolutely hysterical. But what's so crazy about it is the stories around it as what happens so often with, I think, movies like this. Like, this is our generation's lethal weapon, and it has uh-huh. just as much, like, history it <laughs> to, really to go does. into it. Yeah. So let's talk about it. First of all, so being as this movie had an indelible impression on you, where was the first time you saw it? Let's start there. <sighs> I, I saw it in theaters. I, I don't, I'll tell you this much. I have seen it so many times. I don't think I remember any particular time that I've seen it other than the one I just did this morning. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, because because I, I genuinely don't think I have seen. That's how piece, you start your day. Uh, That's more, a, that had nothing to do with this show. For a while, Mark, <laughs> yeah. it really was. Like, I'll, I'll tell you, during the pandemic, I I genuinely think I watched the first two films a hundred times. Sure. Wow. Like, I'm not, I'm not kidding, <laughs> which means I've probably seen this film like 500 times in the course of my life. It's, it is just flawless. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, and, and it sounds weird to be saying that. I understand, obviously, I'm going to have my, uh, you know, like thoughts on it and everything else like that and my own biases. But like, I think you found the perfect balance of like, lightweight, I'm only teasing you racism till we can understand each other (laughs) and like just enough action and like the exact type of comedy that was just like ruling the day. And honestly, Chris Tucker was already on his way to being a superstar, but this was it. Like he had money talks. He obviously was in Friday. This was that moment that I feel like kind of pushed him into over to all of a sudden now he's hanging out with Michael Jackson every day. Yeah, I mean, he went, it's safe to say you think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. The 62% is too low. Rotten Tomatoes has never been more wrong in their entire existence. Thank you. It's and, so you fresh. and you and it doesn't matter. This is a 100%. This is a flawless movie. There is nothing wrong with this film. The only thing that I could think that would be so wrong is that the, the dude that was selling the camel sump and the eel, he should have got more lines. I ain't no punk bitch. He should have got more lines. That's the only thing. Otherwise this movie is perfect. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This movie, I do think, is a victim of the buddy cop Mm. plethora. Mm -hmm. Like, if there was, if we were going to talk now about superhero tea, let's be real. The buddy cop thing, I mean, let's talk about it. Nick Nolte, Eddie Murphy, Mm -hmm. uh, Danny Glover, and and Mel Gibson. There's just been so many iconic and incredible, I mean, Turner and Hooch. Like, I don't know. There's so many, like, buddy cop type vibes. Beverly Hills Cop with Eddie Murphy, too. Exactly, too. Even though that was more of, like, a singular effort, everything he's doing with Judd Hurst puts you in, like, that that buddy movie. Uh, Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold. Did I say Judge Hurst? Sorry. That would have been even funnier if we just took this to Taxi (laughs) slash Beverly Hills Cop uh, crossover. No, let's not do that. But no. Yeah, but you you do feel the very similar beats. Like, you kind of know where this movie's heading, even if it's the first time you see it. But it's the ride that it takes you on. And it's the fact that you don't just have like the thing about a buddy cop movie up to this point was you always had somebody who was a little, you know, you had like the loose cannon who was like your your Mel Gibson or your Eddie Murphy. And then you had like the buy the book. We can't do this. Can't get in trouble. That would be your Danny Glover. Three days to retirement. That would be your judge Reinhold. Um, That would be your Nick Nolte. Right. Yeah. Where it's kind of like somebody who's anti-establishment and the establishment. Mm -hmm. But here you have two guys who are both willing to break every rule in the book in their respective books that they follow Mm -hmm. that are two very very different books from one another because Jackie Chan's coming to a whole new country and Chris Tucker is coming from the LAPD and they're both 
like kind of swimming in these shark infested FBI trader waters. Mm -hmm. And so to see both of them embrace the journey that they're on, neither one of them, unlike the all the other buddy cop movies, neither one of them are pulling back on the reins. They're kind of trying to go in their own direction with it. But yeah. they're uh, but they're both willing to see what the set of rules is and say, we're not playing by this because we're on a mission. Yeah. On top of that, I think one of the things that that can't be missed here is you're actually talking about a full cultural just like mashup. Because yeah. at the very least, when you're talking Lethal Weapon, when you're talking Beverly Hills Cop, yes, black people, white people, you know, black people do this, white people do this. We all Americans, all, you know what I'm saying? Like there, there's a general understanding of each other's culture. You not not a deep one, but a, one that like makes sense. For black folk, it was literally just Wu Tang Clan yeah. and a couple of films that came over. And for Asian folk, they ain't mess with us at all. Yeah. Right. So then all of a sudden, now they're they're seeing Jackie Chan in this American film and they're seeing black culture. And all of a sudden that has a hip hop starts having a massive boom over in Asia. And in the same breath, now all of a sudden you're seeing black folk really getting into beyond what they were seeing in Wu Tang with martial arts films and everything else. And you're really finding two cultures fully mash up. And that was something that I think was also so special about this was the fact that you genuinely had an idea of fish out of water running both ways. Like you were mentioning, them both trying to get in the middle of this FBI mix and just figure this whole thing out. Both the, Carter more aspirational of wanting to do big things and Jackie just trying to protect what is essentially his niece. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think what's interesting with this, too, is it, it harkens back because— the thing that was great about it, and look, there's a lot of Hong Kong movie fans who said this was weak sauce, both on the action and just sort of like the plotting of it. But what was interesting is, yeah, it was maybe weak sauce Hong Kong, but this is not the most hard-hitting hip-hop elements that we're right. bringing into this either. We're right. doing very family-friendly versions of both of these cultures and blending them together in this very commodified way. But look, there's just some dope really great action moments that play over some of the best 90s hip-hop that you will ever have. Mm -hmm. And the fact that these also happen to be 90 hip-hop bands who also had a mix of Asian in them, like Emile, that was definitely her thing when she was always mixing Asian stuff into her mm. raps. You have Drew Hill. They were always with the, like, with the dragons and the tigers. Well, and Cisco's first, for, it was uh, Unleash the Dragon. Unleash the Dragon, mm -hmm. yes. Man. And then you have the Wu-Tang And Wu-Tang's on the soundtrack, so too, yeah. So even in that, even though... They were doing this blend for a very commercialist prospect. They, they that album solidified so much of that. I mean, honestly, I think I I saw this at the Dollar Theater because mm. I didn't see it on its initial run because it was the movie playing on MTV that made me want to go see it. I mean, what I was like fifteen when this came out. So you know? I was a freshman in college yeah. in this in the fall of 98 when this came okay, out. Yeah. And so we, like, you know, one of the great bonding experiences of any, like, group of, like, dudes who's all, like, figuring each other out for the first time, we went to go to see The Water Boy. We went yeah. to go see Rush Hour. We went to go see uh, American Pie, I think, the next year. And so it's just, like, all these movies that kind of, like, unite dudes. Yeah. And so the, the thing about this that I forgot is that it really does start off as this is a, like, we're an action movie here. We're yeah. a Jackie Chan action movie because that's the first sequence you get. And then you get, what I love is you go back in the history of cinema. There's not a lot of times you could see somebody who we had seen in movies before, like Chris Tucker. We knew that he could be funny mm. from Friday, but we didn't know if he could be the lead in something like this or if he could just be kind of wisecracking. Can that become like what Eddie Murphy lived up yeah. to being, which is like, I'm not just funny on SNL. I can carry franchises. Here comes Chris Tucker, the first scene where he's kind of negotiating with Chris Penn. Oh and then it, it's like, oh you God, realize, yeah. holy crap, this guy is a movie star. And and I don't know a ton, but I know a little bit about sort of the back. That's all Chris and yeah. just Penn in mm -hmm. the car. That's not in the script. And then when you look back on it now, you realize how much of this movie was put on Jackie Chan's physicality and Chris Rock's on-the-spot improv writing ability. Chris Tucker, girl. Oh, Chris Rock, Chris Tucker. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> okay, maybe it was a Freudian slip because Chris Rock was one of the many actors yes. who was approached. His name is sit to was literally role. sitting okay, here. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie yeah. Murphy Dave and uh, yeah. Eddie, Eddie Murphy turned this movie, turned this project down yeah. to do Holy Man. Mm -hmm. Retrospect is uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, And uh, Wesley Snipes turned this down to do Blade. Which I don't, as, as much as I love this movie, I and obviously Wesley Snipes was already a movie star at that point, I think that that's the one thing that people just immediately associate with Wesley, like, maybe for his career, is, yeah. is that, and especially 
a lot of people saying the modern day superhero film really kind of came right. out of Blade, which then tumbled into Spider Man and then forward. So I think that was the right decision for him as well. But both both Eddie and and Wesley had already done a movie like this, right? Or they, or they, because because Wesley had done uh, White Man Can't Jump, yes. which is essentially mm-hmm. a buddy cop movie on a basketball court. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then you have Eddie Murphy, who'd already done the Forty Eight Hours Run, right. and Eddie Beverly- did Beverly Hills Cop. The, 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 so they're the, I think they look at this and they're like beyond that point mm-hmm. in their career as far as like the genre. Right. And so I can forgive them. And I also think that's why, again, this movie as it is pitched is not the movie that we got. And it's definitely not the movie that I think we were supposed to get. Nobody knew that Chris would be as good as he was or the chemistry between him and Jackie would be as good as it was, despite the fact, according to everyone on set, Jackie was miserable the entire time. Yeah, and, and I, I did hear about that and a lot of it being from the standpoint of, and he even talks about it in, in the the, uh, the the behind the scenes at the end, yeah. the bloopers. He's like, my English, he cannot say three words. Like he's, <laughs> he's genuinely just getting to a place where he's starting to feel comfortable with English and half the time he has no idea what the hell Chris is saying. Dang. And that's, again, a cultural stigma of like, I don't know what and slang is. Improvising. Like, right. And he's improvising. He's learning the lines as they are on the script. Chris right. is improvising, which is what's making it so funny, which is also why when you really look at the film, Jackie's the butt of the joke right. for the whole film. Right. Like He's not really able to participate in the comedy. I mean, look, he's silent right. for like, what? God, uh, good 45 minutes. It really eases the blow yeah. of being the butt of the joke when you can kick that much ass, though. <laughs> exactly. But think and about Chris Jackie. Chris could be so inept. <laughs> but, yeah, right. But right. now that you've gone back, because I've gone back and looked at Jackie's stuff, when you go back and look at it, he's the joke and the action yes, in all of his movies. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, You know what I mean? So I can see why he felt really like some kind of way about being, it was always that it was funny that this little goofy little guy kicked so much butt and now it's like oh you're a goofy little guy and you kick you know what I mean like like you, they, there's no jokes there yeah I mean the, the you you really learn it when you watch the outtakes of this movie because the action sequences I, I still think that, that they hold up well because yeah. there's very few people who can do that but you also compare that to like super cop and like yeah. other yes. things that he's done and so when you watch the outtakes it's like the worst injury that happened to Jackie Chan is like he he landed on a chair awkwardly. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, oh. right. Yeah, right, so right, it's, right. it's not exactly the same level of danger he's putting his body in. So for him, maybe the adrenaline rush wasn't there of being on set, but you cannot deny that that what what you read on the page from this movie is not what sells it. It's once you get them yes. in and on a set together and they start doing their weird improv, which is not always language-based. Right. It's more reactionary physically, right. but it all just, it's its ingredients that you look at on a list and you say, I don't know how this works, but right. when you taste it. Again, ooh. it's that peanut butter and, and chocolate feel. Like, again, good buddy cops do that. It's like, Sour Patch Kids on popcorn. You wouldn't think yeah. it's good until you try it. Y'all are not giving it justice. This is this is Kobe getting drafted and now he's teamed <laughs> up with Shaq. <laughs> This is, this is, you were talking about one of the greatest dudes. You know that, that meme that goes around all the time? It's like, man, this is amazing. This is like Kobe and Shaq. And then they do the highlights of the two. They're like dunking it out. That's exactly what this is. And the funny thing is, I love that they played into the fact that they each have their strong point. So yeah. it's Chris can talk his way out of anything. How many times should Chris have gotten shot in the face? He's like, put your gun down and fight me like a man. And all of a sudden, and it's like, how many times does Jackie, again, because of the language barrier, because of the slang, not knowing the streets of L.A., he's getting himself into trouble. Like, he, do what I do. What's up? my? And then all of a sudden, he's getting his ass whooped or he thinks yeah, he's about yeah, to, but yeah. he's able to hold his own. And then they, they're learning off of each other. That's, yeah. that's the thing that's so interesting is that the symbiosis that ends up happening between these two characters is just palpable. And it obviously, we're not talking about two, but two, it just amps itself up. Now Jackie feels good about his English. He's throwing jokes back. I will, I'll, what, like, uh, at one point, Chris says, is that when I'll, they go to, is that when they go to they Asia? Go to, they go to mm-hmm. Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's where, because uh, that picks up immediately after this one, you, you get Chris at one point saying, I'll bitch slap you back to the Ming Dynasty, and then you get Jackie saying, I'll bitch slap you back to Africa. Like, all of a sudden, now Jackie got jokes. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, God. And the thing that you mentioned, okay, so uh, again, like, I, I realized this was going to be a big movie months before it came out because I do remember being in a movie theater before I went to college with a couple of high school buddies, we went to go see Lethal Weapon 4, right? Mm, and that mm. was a packed movie theater, mm. like just outside of the city which of- Which did have of, Chris Rock in it. Of DC, which did have Chris Rock in it. So um, you're still not fully adjudicated, Damn. but we're, we're, we're <laughs> apologizing for you. I mean, I am not the first person 
in the history of the world to confuse confuse Chris Tucker with Chris um, Rock. There's there's a lot of very funny Chris's. I mean, there. so uh, so we're sitting in the movie and and the trailers are running right, and a couple of trailers go by. Trailer for Rush Hour comes on. The entire theater was rolling, and Dude. there's very few times that. I can say a movie trailer, it can excite you. Like if you're seeing like a huge franchise come back, like those are exciting trailers to see this. Everybody in the theater was rolling because it was, I think that the scene, one of the scenes they use is you never touch a black man's yes. radio. Yeah. And, oh my God. and yeah. seeing Jackie Chan, just the pure childlike joy in here in the Beach Boys, something he finally identifies with America. Chris yeah. Tucker Peter Slavin is, <laughs> such a black man's so radio, boy. Good. And, and, and the cover on that is when he starts doing the whip. Yep. Yeah, and then he's like, looking at the, right yeah, the whole time. Right like, up. that whip was just, His again. celebrations, whether it's at the beginning, yes. when he when he foils the crime and he's dancing in the street, mm -hmm. this, at, at the, even at the end, when his reaction to stuff, it's just on a level, like, I, there's very, you could count on one hand the people who can make me laugh like that. Literally, the sideways gun mm -hmm. with yep. the this, yeah. like, who could, yeah. like, yeah. that was not a thing, but with the gun, with the gun, I'm just like, of course, you know, Chris Tucker's been doing Michael Jackson impersonations since he was on stage at the Laugh Factory. Mm -hmm. It's not a new thing, but just him doing it in that way was just so hilarious. I just, I, I, I think the thing that gets me above all else, because you're right, it is about the physicality, and what I love is that they each have their own physicality. So for Chris, it is the 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 very, like, loud, kind of slapstick, like, physical humor, but his dance moves and all that and how he moves, and then obviously with Jackie, with martial arts and whatnot. It's these one-liners. Yeah. These one-liners are the things that you literally quote for your entire life. You don't believe me. <laughs> mm -hmm. my, my One of my best friends in the whole world, Um, we... As we graduated college, we just got a bunch of guys together trying to find a place to live. And then we were on our way to go look at uh, a house. And I was just like, hey, man, like, what are some of your favorite movies? He's like, Rush Hour. I said, wait, what? <laughs> and so it would be a situation where I'd be like, yo, Jeff, where you at, man? He'd be like, oh, my bad. I was in the back. I've been looking for your sweet and sour chicken ass. <laughs> like, you, where else you going to get something like that? Like, that's, oh, my God. And, and let alone, you had everything out of that 80s, 90s action film stuff like uh, Wipe Yourself Off, You're Dead. Like, yeah. that's genius. Oh, w w what's wrong? Nothing. Uh, nothing at all. It's Rush Hour. Like, what? 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 It's, 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 it. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm getting. Well, this is the thing. You shouldn't get so upset about it. And this is where I will stand back with it. It's not even that I think Rush Hour is bad. I do think that at that time, I hate to say it, Eddie Murphy and the funny black men of that era mm -hmm. made it seem like that was a lot easier yeah. than it is. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, they have been just glutted on the, you know, Eddie Murphy's and, Chris Rocks and Chris Tucker. Throw Martin and, Lawrence in there. Martin had a good Lawrence out, yeah. and Dave Chappelle. And Will and Smith in the middle Will of Smith. a, a and, Fresh mm -hmm. Prince. And, yeah. and now looking back on it, especially looking back now to see the dereft of people that are able to recreate that level of success, you realize how special those people were at that time. And how like even when those guys show up now, I just saw Chris and Air doing it. Mm -hmm. Doing it in a way that you would not expect in this next chapter of his life. I, I don't think people appreciate how singular these folks' talent was. Um, I think, like, maybe if there's anybody I see right now that could do what these guys are doing, it's like Keenan, and he's just happy to be out on SNL. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think he found what what kind of serves him best. Yeah. And, and with Chris Tucker, I, I think, like, you still see when the audience responds, when he goes up on stage, because he's popped into places, you know, clubs that I've been working, oh, and it's nice. like, you see the audience loves him. He is not just like uh, like people like, oh, I'm a fan of Chris. He mm -hmm. is beloved. Mm -hmm. That's and it. it's one of those intros. And I talk about an intro like this where I used to see it happen with Robin a lot where you say the person's name and the audience gets excited, but they don't fully go crazy yet because they don't believe you. Yeah. They're not going to believe you until they yeah. see this human being whose name you just said actually on stage and then they lose their effing minds. And it's so the first fun like, oh, to wow. watch. Oh, yeah. yeah, like that. Like the, yeah. here is he, and then they is like it real? lose it. Yeah, and yeah. it is. And, and I think one of the reasons why, just from a from a comedy perspective, Winston, is like, you know, we see so much in stand-up where you have comics that are looking for that perfect line to walk right. between race, between stereotypes, between what is funny and what is offensive. And you mentioned something really interesting at the top of this, where you feel like Rush Hour can be accused of going over that line, but it can also be the perfect marriage of, hey, this is funny, but not insulting. Right. This is a laugh, and we can say this because we're friends. Right. And so anybody can watch this and think it's okay. The problem is 
like with to Jacqueline's point, there's very few people that are as talented yeah. right. as Chris Tucker and as Jackie Chan. So I I still feel like watching this mm. works and laughing at it is good. It's just be careful when you're trying it at home. Yeah. You know? it, it, absolutely. I, that, that's the thing that makes me sad. I don't think you could make Rush Hour today. I don't. Mm, I, I belie that fact. You can make it. It just looks different. It okay, yes. It it does it does look different. You were you were you were spot on with that. I just the reason why I sort of push back and say no is that we are now in a more globalized society than we were back then. We were starting to get to that point. Uh. So a lot of what makes this comedy work is it is really two people that really know nothing about I each other other saying. than very surface level things. So I think now that we're in a space, so it's not just the, oh, we, you've got to be PC or anything like that. I just think black folk know a lot about China and Japan yes. and Korea and all that. We're in a like, post-K-pop world. We yes, can't we pretend are. we don't know That's about a lot. That's yeah, so, fascinating. So like, for instance, yeah. the insult, the, the sweet and sour chicken reference, it's like, it's it's funny yeah. and it can you know be considered racist, but it also is literally probably one of the three things that, that any kid yeah. in the 80s or 90s growing up <laughs> knew. It. He didn't know he was eating eel. Yeah. Right. You know? No idea. Absolutely no idea. And I think that's the only other thing that makes this so special as well is, again, you this was, this was a vehicle for both sides to genuinely start to learn something about each other. And then, again, as you went into the second one, that's where it, it, it even amped it up a notch. And now, all of a sudden, since we actually are in China, we're in Hong, we're in Hong Kong, uh, excuse me. Uh, now all of a sudden we're really getting to see what culture's like over there. Like you had had a few films before, because I want to say the second one was what two thousand and two. So obviously, it's you funny. I think one of them uh, takes place on the day that British rule left. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, th th this one does. This one. Th the, th th this one the starts one, out. Yeah, the first one starts out with that. I was to say one of them opens with that. Right. This one, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, Tom Wilkinson, because I forgot Tom <laughs> Wilkinson was like the bad guy at the end of it. And I see Tom. Well, I'm like, man, they got okay. Well, that was 25 years ago, and right. now, like, that's one of the biggest like things right now is like in Hong Kong, all of those provisions that they were like literally joking about in the beginning of this movie would right. happen right. have officially happened. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like literally happened. So I, 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 um. I think that's just the the big thing above all else is that what makes this film, I think, more special than anything is that its ability to reach so many different people on so many different levels. And while it was obviously like black folk and Asian folk sitting here and like we're kind of laughing at each other, whatever, the white folk were on the side like, I mean, that is kind of funny though. Yeah. I didn't know that about black folk. I didn't know that about Asian folk. Yeah. That's crazy. It, it is. It, it's a, it's a, you, you don't do that with somebody you just met or with strangers, but right. like if you have that kind of instant chemistry, and I think it really does help that at the end of this movie, Chris Tucker had such a great time. He's going on vacation. Exactly. As yeah. Lee goes back home to Hong Kong and they're both. And, and it's just another one that like I, I remembered it and I knew it was coming and I was bracing for it. And I still laughed out loud in my place by myself <laughs> is, you know, you know, he's going to hate the fact that this is a 15 hour flight. Yeah. And when he actually like, how long well, what is this flight? You know, you, we've seen this movie for 90 minutes now. We know how this character reacts to to <laughs> adversarial yeah. news. Yeah. He hears 15 hours. It's so good. Oh, it's perfect. Oh, and that was back when the time when I didn't know how long that flight was. Like now I'm like, yeah. I know that the minute you say you're going We're to China. Too you got an iPad, you got, you got all that set up. Speaks to what you say about there was a time when I wouldn't have known that when I was watching this in 98 that, that was they were getting ready for like that long of a flight. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, the minute he says I'm going to Hong Kong, I'm like, what seat y'all got? <laughs> oh, I like, you were first class. Like, good Lord. Seriously, what seat y'all got? But, I, but to that point, I think the other thing that was so interesting is that then made... I think one of the hardest things you would know above anybody else, one of the hardest things to do with a joke, and in this case, a comedic film, is to stick the landing. What is the very last thing we leave on? Mm -hmm. And so to not only end it on this going to be a 15-hour flight, but the call back to him singing war and be like, oh, hell no, still it is! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hell no! That, there, there was something so palpable about that because now you're already, they are right where they left off. They like It, 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 it just your mind just goes into this place of like, oh my God, that flight must have been insane. And so it feels like the movie doesn't even end for you because now yeah. you're in your mind, you're going home being like, damn, Chris Van did a book. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, and then you get yeah. the outtakes and then, yeah. and I was and just then say, Mark's favorite part is the outtakes. Oh, yeah. I love me, I love me outtakes in comedies anyway and in Jackie Chan films. Yeah. But they, I mean, they just go to another level here. They really do. <laughs> <laughs> See, how difficult is that? My English? 
Eva cannot say three words. I'll Chinese. Lunch. <laughs> you need some lunch. I got that. I got it before, Jay. I mean, I get like again. I'm not trying to say that Brett Ratner doesn't have an eye of originality. <laughs> Others have already said that. Yeah. Um, but look, I will say this. This movie has no business being as good as it is. And I think that's what the score speaks to. Because as I look at that, I'm like, yeah, they're doing their Caddyshack outtake. Everything that's great about this movie is something that has been done before mm-hmm. that is just being directly robbed. But that's, I'll be honest with you, that's why I was using yeah. the, the the Kobe Shack analogy. Yeah. Because because Chris Tucker, again, you you mentioned Eddie Murphy, you mentioned Wesley, Wesley Snipes. Snipes, Chris Rock. They all had done this before. Yeah. So that's, Chris Tucker's coming in like Kobe behind Michael Jordan. Yeah. Michael Jordan's already been in the game. A lot of people would call Eddie Murphy the Michael Jordan of, of, of like comedies yep. and all that kind of stuff, yeah. right? And then Jackie is the most dominant, like, dominant person in the game. So th- that's your shack where he's literally just dominated of all, yeah. all of Hong Kong and now you're bringing Chris into this world and you, magic happens. And yeah. this takes place in Los Angeles. It yes. takes place Same in LA. Kobe and this, Shaq. And they up. filmed here in Los Angeles. I don't know if that was back when it was cheaper or they got the tax credits, but let's be real. Los Angeles is a great third character in yes, this. Yes, it is. And just the same way that they make Hong Kong a great third character in the second one. I Absolutely. It, it's one of the most beautiful like just just seeing the city, it's fun to like knowing the city and especially looking at it now in 2023, being like, oh, is that still there? Yeah, I know exactly where they are in the city, etc. And, and they stick in Inglewood in Chinatown. Like yes, they, they do. really mm-hmm. do. Like it's yes, they do. it's almost funny, but in the same respect, I really do respect for what they did with this. The things that they got great was the blending. Yes, I, I don't want to get out of here without getting y'all to talk about the soundtrack because I don't. I oh, want to yeah. know what Mark's experience with the soundtrack is because I have a feeling I know what our experience with it was but I want to know what you were. <laughs> talk about eyes being open was this to on your different jock jams? cultures. That's where but that's where you heard it. You I started hearing this stuff it. at like frat parties and stuff and it's like well this isn't you know th- this isn't whatever like Matchbox 20 this isn't yeah. Gin Blossoms this isn't whatever else was like popular this isn't Atlantis it's something completely different and so in the same way that Chris and Jack are kind of figure each other's cultures out it's like this Wu-Tang thing like this it, the kids seem to like it you know and then but then Wu-Tang the is time, for the children I think there's the Wu-Tang a, is for the kids there's a Jay-Z Ja Rule yeah. collaboration yes. and at that time it's like who's gonna be bigger Jay-Z or yeah. Ja Rule I mean they're both pretty they're at both pretty good at that time that yeah. was a question we now yes, know it was. this is pre-fire festival and billionaire status <laughs> but did we know that's where they would be we did not we, we did, did not. not I'll be honest with you I mean I think this is a situation Jay-Z obviously was already Jay-Z but this was I think the beginning point of his commerciality yeah, absolutely all of a sudden white people knew who Jay-Z was absolutely. in the same way that there was a point where Taylor Swift went from being like some country star to being one of the biggest pop stars maybe ever yeah mm-hmm. oh what what because I said the word maybe the fact that it's even we're going to discuss this later. I'm sorry. I'm in, a, I'm in a very like like look. I'm getting ready to go to Beyonce this weekend. I just can't listen to that white woman's name this week. <laughs> that's, that's fine. She like, said one. Of. I said one of. I didn't yeah. say. I'm I don't like, even like the maybe. What is her? Okay, sorry. Call we're going to take a quick detour. We're what is Taylor wrong. Swift's best moment? Like most most like she made national news for her moment. Uh, it wasn't her doing it. It was Kanye. And what was Kanye to, talking about when he went up there to rain on that white woman's parade? Beyonce. Beyonce. I don't, I, so I, Taylor's I, biggest moment. While I don't disagree, while I don't disagree, a lot of people would make the argument, mainly white people, mainly white women would make the <laughs> argument, the fact that, she, that literally folks have been clamoring outside of ask, stadiums. You want to ask who's been able to sell and commodify herself best I agree to fans? For, for, for Taylor the, Swift? Who's this is for the culture? I don't disagree. They literally with you. white people lost their mind because Beyonce showed up with a black beret at the Super Bowl. I also remember Taylor that. ain't got that kind of impact, even know. if she wore blackface. You, you remember? You remember? You remember? <laughs> I mean, you remember? Wait, 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 wait. Lemonade you, is something that people still talk about now. There are women that are filing divorce filings and quoting her <laughs> lyrics agree. in that. I agree, but I think I think there is something very scary that we have to point out about how these white women have fully unionized behind the Eras tour. Like it, 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 it we can. By saying, the way, I don't disagree with you yeah. on that commodity. But this is the thing: once the checks are cashed, it's going to be over, and we are still going to be talking about Blue Ivy being her first gonna, biggest moment. I believe gonna, I have a solution, if I may <laughs> sure, offer a truce. Sure. Also, why am I defending Taylor Swift? <laughs> you are. We I put you on this podcast to talk about this. Taylor Swift. Damn. Is we're sorry, gonna, we're, I'm sorry. We, we need are going to gonna make the next generation of great buddy cop films, and you already know who I'm talking <laughs> about: Beyonce and Taylor Swift. <laughs> 
Rush Hour 4 in a way you never thought you'd but see before. But here's the problem. And, and it will be just as disappointing as her collab with Lady Gaga. What? I just, because I, like, I don't, I really don't want the Beehive coming for me. I can admit that Beyonce is one of the most powerful, incredible performers, yeah. singers, songwriters. You said like, what <laughs> the only good acting job I've seen her do was Carmen the Hip Hopper. Listen, I just, okay, I, just, I will. I will give you this. First of all, I I'm, love that I'm none of the Taylor. comments on this episode are going to be about me. I know it's like I love Taylor <laughs> Swift. I do not want any Swifties coming for me. I just want to say Taylor Swift is going to be a capital B billionaire, one of the yeah. most successful pop artists in the world. Yeah. But when you talk about cultural influence, I, I will disagree. just remind you that it's like. Beyonce is about there's like a legacy and a culture and a difference there. You know, you know what's great about you can tell how huge both of them are is because you all had your strong points and then you immediately said, I don't want the fan base coming for me. No, I don't want that fan base coming for me. I mean, again, I will always point to this one and I Taylor Swift fans get so I'm like, give me her biggest moment, Kanye. And what was he what was her biggest moment talking about? Yeah. Not her. Yeah. <laughs> Not her. Yikes. Um, <laughs> so back to Jay-Z so and Ja Rule. Let's, get back, to this. let's <laughs> get back to Rush Hour. No, but, um, but no, the, the, the soundtrack, so you were in it, just not in it. It's an exp- it's, it's an eye-opening experience. Okay. The, the soundtrack was for, because white people had, you know, we, we knew what the beats of the movie were going to be. You know, we've seen buddy cop movies. We're like, you mean I could hang out with Eddie Murphy one day? Like, that's yeah. kind of, we're all living vicariously through mm. Nick Nolte yeah. or through Judge Reinhold yeah. or, you know, through, I mean, Mel Gibson, what, Lethal Weapon was so different yeah. because everybody thought like Mel Gibson was like the cool Raj character. Raj was still cooler. So, Raj was still cool though. He was, he was old man. Raj cool. was great. We all wanted to have like his life because yeah. he had like a nice family life and yeah. Mel Gibson is like sitting on the beach in a trailer with a dog trying to take a gun out of his mouth. So yeah, we'd rather be Danny Glover. Psycho but badass. you always wanted to be as cool as somebody like yeah. Eddie Murphy. And so now when you watch Rush Hour, you know what the beats of the movie are going to be, mm-hmm. but you didn't know how it was going to tell the story and you didn't know that the soundtrack was going to be so big accompanying. And so everybody was having their eyes open at the same time in the same way that uh, you know, the Asian culture is starting to appreciate black culture and vice versa. I, I mean, I, it's funny because I this was definitely the first Ja Rule song I had ever heard. What? Ja Rule? This is the first Ja Rule song I had ever heard. Really? Like, what What did Ja have before this song? Like, ja, ja was obviously in the scene, but what mega hit did Ja Rule have before 1998? He was featured on so much murdering stuff that I knew he was because he did because he did the Fat Joe stuff. It, true. I, I, I'll put it up. Wait a minute, no, because I want to say What's Love came out after this in like 2000. What's Love, what's, uh, what's Love came out out of this, but didn't Fat Joe do New York and the locks and all this before? I this? thought that was also 2000. That was 2000? Okay, yeah. well then never mind. So I, because I remember this being the first time that Josh showed up like this. And again, Jay had been, if you if you followed hip hop, you knew who Jay Z was. You knew but who this, he was, but this was, this th- was, this was something when, when, when my people were like, right. oh, this guy's a force to be reckoned with. I mean, they were still calling him Hove. Exactly. So yeah. allow me to reintroduce myself. So like, I, it's it's a situation where you're not only talking about now the blending of cultures of, of of Chinese culture and black culture. You're now looking at how many superstars did this launch? People knew who Jackie Chan was. Jackie Chan now goes from being a mega superstar in Asia to a worldwide name. Right. Chris Tucker goes from being man, that dude was really funny in Friday. He was really good in Money Talks, but that, like, even though that was his movie, Charlie Sheen had top billing. Now Chris Tucker is an A-list celebrity. Now you've got Jay-Z has worldwide appeal. Ja Rule is now all of a sudden on the scene and people started looking at what his name is. Like, how many stars did this movie make in all different plethoras? It's insane. And then Wu-Tang did the Forever collab where they they came back together. Yes, they did. After this, Cream. And mm-hmm. this was oh, and Cisco. What's wrong with me? Cisco, Cisco, the, uh, Unleash the Dragon. Like we mentioned, the thong song comes out a year later. Yeah, man, was the thong song after this? Yeah, nineteen ninety nine, baby. Yeah, wow, this really did do a lot. This was ninety eight. This was fall of ninety eight. <laughs> sequel comes out in two thousand one, and also does huge business. The sequel, yeah. which I've heard from a lot of people, I, I I really had fun watching this one again. That Rush Hour two is the best of the bunch. Yeah. Um, that is 51% rot on the tomato meter. Rush Hour 3 is 17%. I don't know that I've ever seen Rush Hour Come 3, but Winston, is is Rush Hour 2 comparable with this? Is there a clear, better film in your eyes? So in all honesty, <clears throat> I 
see one and two as just one giant film. Yeah. To me, this is... This They're like is, the Kill Bills or something yeah. like the that? The Kill Bills, this is... Uh, you know, we don't really talk about Matrix 3, but like two and three, how that's actually one film that they just yeah. broke up because it was going to be too long. It's, it's Even your Infinity, Lord of the Rings. Infinity War and Endgame. This is Infinity War and Endgame. You just don't there have you go. 10 years of films to yeah. come before. You know <laughs> what I'm thank saying? thank God for that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, no, seriously. I, again, the beats of this are great and they're nummy. I think I can commit to two helpings unless it's going to be like a situation like, again, like Bad Boys 4. Like, mm. I, it's one of those things where like, if enough time passes, I'll want to see this. But, I love Bad yeah. Boys for Life. It yeah. was great. Yeah. And, I loved it. And, and I wanted to. You know, I was like rooting for it the whole time. Like, it's not like I was like, oh, is this going to be any good? Like, please, please, please yeah. be good. I think I'd probably feel the same way if another rush hour yeah. ever came to pass. I mean, look, we can... We can debate that on another day because <laughs> we have to get out of here. Uh, because look, we we got plenty more Rush Hour movies to cover, apparently, so we could discuss whether or not Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. I don't think we can make a single argument why you would not be here for that, sir. Come on now. If we have to discuss it. If we ever expand into music, I God mean, help us. Listen, I know. There's, got a fun little sampling what I love of that. Is there's probably, there's like a huge portion of the audience that feels I'm coming for Taylor Swift. I like her. I like her a lot. I will sing all of her songs. In fact, I like her country stuff better. Today was a fairy tale. Go back to December. We are here. We are here. Beyonce is the culture. No, it's, I, I, agree. I agree. Beyonce is the culture. It's the same way I feel about like Motley Crue, where people talk about Motley Crue, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're good. Like, no, they're like the, and I'm like, ah, okay, let's just <laughs> let me just tell life. you something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's I, exactly it. It's even, like she's great, right? Even to the point, and I and I'll give you this as well. And Madonna also kind of started that, but Beyonce. If you want to talk about somebody that starting with Destiny's Child, how many times has Beyonce evolved, girl? And so in the same way that you you see that Taylor looked at her predecessors and understood that and then made the decision to do it. Hence, even calling it out by calling her tour the Eras yeah. tour, yeah. understanding how important it is to survive in that. It's a whole other podcast. I've got, we, we, a, a whole other podcast. Did you go to the Taylor Swift show? I did not. Okay. Oh. But you, I also you know that like I, you have recently been touched oh, by I've an angel. Live, I've live streamed the whole thing though. Okay. I watched it's, somebody's live stream for the whole thing. It was awesome. It's more that if I if I didn't defend Taylor like this, I was gonna sleep on the couch. So like, oh, I just had you to, got somebody. You, you just, got somebody. I, just, I, I would just, I just get a knife. Actually, put to my you throat. have your own lieutenant to I report to. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I have an infiltrator in my house, and the only saving grace is that he liked Destiny's Child first. Like the only saving grace I have for it is the only reason why he doesn't like Beyonce that much is because he likes Destiny's Child better. <laughs> oh, thank and I'm like, goodness! The only I live with I'm a like, sweet dog who only listens to I meditation. Know, I know. <laughs> That is it for us today. Before we get out of here, sir, Mr. Winston A. Marshall, and I do love that we have to put the A in the middle of there. Like, no, this is specific. I appreciate that. Um, what are you working on? Where can folks find you? Yeah, uh, you can find me at the Swaggy Blurred across all platforms, man. I've been doing a, a show over on uh, TikTok and Instagram called Breakfast AM News. Yeah. Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate <laughs> I'm it. I'm a fan. Thank you so much. What do you do? Uh, think Weekend Update. In about ninety seconds, gotcha. so it's just it's just like taking the the news stories that have been coming out and just dropping jokes, man. And, and part of that is both a there's been a lot of nonsense going on, and I, I broke my leg a couple months ago. So when I'm just sitting there on the couch, I'm like, what what am I gonna do? Yeah. Um. So that that was part of it, and then you know the other part is just the idea of of you know I'm I'm looking to get back on the stage, so I needed to, I needed to you know uh, get that tight, just you know just get the rust off. You know what I mean? I'll tell you what, so man, that broken out. leg is like a superhero origin story now. It, it really is, bro. That's that's Martha and Thomas getting shot like 50 <laughs> times, you know, because because that's all we could talk about with Batman is how many times Thomas and Martha got shot. Uh, <laughs> how how did it happen? I was uh, I was actually playing dodgeball. I I, I as uh, you maybe should as be as you know, and so we I, all have to have that 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 reckoning where we're not the spring chickens we used to be when the Rush Hour movies were coming out. Genuinely yeah. the origin story. So I go up to jump, and then everybody's like, no. Oh, laying on the side of my foot, came, fell over, whole body weight came down, snapped my leg, and mm. the rest is history, man. So I'm re relearning to walk. I just started driving again. I'm here for it. That's Same why. injury as his quarterback, Dak Prescott, you, suffered sir? on wow. the field a couple sir? years ago. Wow. I bring up sir? quarterbacks oh, because yeah. that's what Jack and I used to debate until Taylor Swift and Beyonce came in the this picture. This is very <laughs> true. This is very, we did do that debate. Yeah. I'm not going into quarterbacks. My situation's looking good. Your though. former boy looking very good on No, my knots. current boy looking very good. You love him? Yes, perhaps? I do. Who? He's Jordan Love. Jordan Love. Oh. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. No, 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 yeah, no, yeah. Honestly. The, the, the octave went up a little bit too high I, for me to I believe you. I needed a second you said I it. I do not believe I, you. I, I pulled your Chris Rock thing and I was thinking Trey Lance and I was like, uh, and then I don't, oh, no, 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 she needs the bear. Got it. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Jordan Love does look good. He does look good. He looks good. He looks good. And you finally put some weapons you around were, him. You wanted to put a, a Bears person up for me. No, now you got confused with Justin Fields. He I know. Is, this man is chasing yeah. his tail. Oh my God. Wait, where is love? What's wrong with me? Packers. You're right. He's oh my writing, God. He's been writing too many jokes lately. It's at night. okay. You're good. Damn, it's okay. That's but literally, like to the Bears, <laughs> to the Bears. Well, okay. Justin Fields the, actually looks good. It is Jordan. 2023 and the Bears still suck. Well, love looks okay. Justin Fields looks good. It'll be a fun season. Oh my God, we gotta go. Uh, <laughs> Hail to the commanders. That's it for us this week. Uh, what are you working on besides my nerves? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just that, just pretty much that right now. Breakfast AM news, you know, uh, staying strong with the strike and whatnot. So more stuff will come out sooner than later, but I can't talk about it right now. So we're just going chill. Yeah, we're going to get Winston on stage more too. We're so gonna get Winston we got on stage. stuff in the works. Uh, speaking of stuff in the works, Mark, what do we have next week? We got one of them Saw movies. We do. Got one of them Saw Ooh. movies. There's enough of them to go around. There's a lot of Saw movies to talk about. Which yeah. one? That's why you tune in. That's right. All right. We will see you all next time on Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong for Brian, Mr. Mark Ellis, and our guest this week, Winston A. Marshall. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.